0: As human beings, we spend a lot of our time stuck, mired in things like isolation and addiction, regret and resentment, bigotry and abuse. The list of things that weigh down a human life is lengthy and wearisome, but when freedom finally comes, it often appears in unexpected ways and from unexpected places. The Stuck Audio Project is about preserving and pondering those stories of liberation. We believe that by hearing and receiving the stories of others, we open our hearts to the forces of change. The stories you'll hear on the Stuck Podcast come from ordinary people, reflecting on their daily journeys with Christ. On the journey of life, some have come far, and some still have a long way to go. None of them are perfect, but all of them have had genuine tastes of freedom. This story from Katie is about being stuck in the mud of perfectionism. We don't reflect enough on how the quest for perfection can actually poison the soul and distort our vision. The chains of perfectionism come in many forms, but all of them have one thing in common. They convince us to carry an impossible burden. Listen to Katie's story, and especially to the story of her freedom from this ailment, see if you hear something of your own experience.
1: Hi, my name is Katie, and I grew up in Utah as a devout Mormon, born and raised uh, in Utah. And there were a lot of gifts, you know, growing up uh, in that kind of community it's a really tight-knit i grew up in a really tight-knit community people really take care of each other people care for each other and help each other out when there are difficulties but i grew up in a really pretty strict home with a lot of rules and a sense that at any moment you could get in really big trouble from god and god might come and you know destroy you with the fires of armageddon. <laughs> and so from a really young age i developed pretty significant anxiety, like anxiety about whether or not i was good enough, whether or not i was righteous enough or acceptable to my family, to my community, and in a cosmic sense, right? To to God, if you will. And so I developed um, obsessive compulsive disorder, actually OCD, and a manifestation of OCD called scrupulosity, which is a hyper religiosity. It's a form of OCD that drives you to constantly question if you are acceptable and makes you wonder basically at every moment, like if you're going to go to hell or be destroyed by God. And so you develop these rituals uh, in order to, to keep that anxiety at bay. So when I was young, I developed a, a ritual or a compulsion to confess things. And I would confess things to mostly my mother when I was a kid, things that, that I hadn't done for the most part. That was part of the disorder is, is like, you know, one time my dad was like, I had 50 cents on my counter, you know, on my dresser and who took, who, who took these 50 cents? And, and I was like, and I hadn't taken them, but I, I was like, what if I did take them and I forgot? that I took them, these quarters. So it tormented me for days until finally I said, you know, it's better to be safe than sorry. So I'm gonna go to my parents and confess that I took the quarters even though I don't know where they are. I have no memory of taking them, but I'm just gonna get it off my chest just to be safe, just in case I did take them. And so it went. One of the things some people know about Mormons and uh, other people don't is that it's really strict around what you can drink. And so you're not allowed to have alcohol or, you know, you're not allowed to smoke. That's not drinking. But but the other thing is you're not allowed to drink coffee or black tea. Herbal teas are okay. Don't ask why. It doesn't really make sense because you are allowed to drink like caffeinated sodas. So it's not the caffeine. It's just literally the coffee and the tea. Anyway, it doesn't really make sense, but <laughs> that, that's the rule. So I remember one time just panicking as a, as a child when I went over to a friend's house and I drank, I drank like a raspberry herbal tea. Uh, but then later I was just convinced. I was absolutely convinced that it had accidentally been black tea. And, and so I confessed to my mother that I had, you know, I had drank the, the forbidden drink and, you know, she was like, oh, Katie, (laughs) we don't drink those things. You know, uh, my little sister was more, was more rebellious than me. And one day she came home. Uh, In high school, one day she came home with with a latte. (laughs) And that was like, oh, we're losing you. Today it's a latte. Tomorrow it's heroin. (laughs) So there was just this sense of forbiddenness. And I had never so much as had a sip of coffee in my entire life, um, up until I was in my, I guess my late 20s, this would have been in, let's see, 2010, yeah, so I'm 38 now, so I would have been 28 at the time. But, uh, I'd been in the midst of a bit of an existential upheaval, where I recognized that the anxieties that I carried and the the OCD that I had and and the mental illness were reaching the point of being unsustainable. I had battled suicidal thoughts, to be totally honest. I had thought it would be better for me uh, not to exist. I was terrified of being irredeemable. I was terrified of being... You know uh, that it would be impossible for me to be good enough to warrant or earn or merit love. I had recently had a child, and I was terrified of being a terrible mother. I think a lot of parents probably worry about that sort of thing, but I was convinced I was going to ruin my my child's life and I was going to do terrible things and be the worst mother possible. And and I, I just reached a point where it was either I needed to make some serious shifts in the way that I thought of myself and the way that I approached life and my worldview and get a handle on the anxiety disorder that had run my life for many years. Um, or I wasn't going to make it. And so I I did a few things. One, I started going to therapy, which, you know, I think is a really important thing to do if you reach that kind of a point. Started getting treatment for uh, my OCD, and then also started examining my worldview, and especially the part of my worldview that said, that if I didn't do everything perfectly and follow all the rules exactly that I couldn't be loved. And one summer, my, it was, this was the summer of 2010, my husband and I and our daughter who was less, I think she was less than two at that time, or maybe she was three. She might've been three. Anyway, we spent a summer in Winona, Minnesota. We had been from We'd been living in Idaho, in in a little town, a little college town called Moscow, Idaho, where my husband was getting a master's degree in acting. And he got um, a an internship at the Great River Shakespeare Festival, an acting internship at the Great River Shakespeare Festival in uh, Winona, Minnesota. And so my daughter and I went with him for that summer, and they put us up in these horrible apartments uh on the campus of saint mary's university they were married student housing but they the accommodations were so sparse that i called it the monastery like the uh the the beds were i swear made out of cardboard and you could you know you could feel the particle board underneath your butt when you sat on the couch And there wasn't a full kitchen and it was just, it was just like there was nothing to distract me from the existential dread (laughs) that I was dealing with at that time and the pain and the confusion and the trauma and the heartache of just dealing with all of this stuff. And so I went on lots of walks and at one point I went for a walk and I just said, I said to myself, I just don't think that God cares if we drink coffee. I just don't think that that's a thing that God cares about and that maybe it's okay (laughs) to break this rule there was a statue of the Virgin Mary actually on this campus at St. Mary's university in Minnesota in Winona. And I kind of, and it was, it's very beautiful. It's a, it's a, it's a place, you know, there's a reflecting pond and there are benches and it's in the middle of summer and the summer's there. Are lovely. And there was just, you know, I'm just sort of, you know, standing there looking at her and I was like, I told I told her I said I think I'm going to do it, you know. <laughs> and I thought the virgin mary probably has like better things to do with her time than worry about this like mormon lady who <laughs> is agonizing over whether or not to have a cup of coffee, but I decided I would do it. That I was going to stand on my own two feet in the sense that if I felt it was okay to do something, even if it went against the rules that I'd been brought up with, even if it in some kind of strange way would threaten my standing in my community and upset my family and all of these things, I thought, you know, at a certain point, like it just has to be okay for me to, Have my own sense of what is right and wrong, and and then to act on it, right? To be like, not just privately carry the thought in my head, the subversive thought in my head that coffee is okay to drink, but then actually put that sense of right and wrong into action uh, in my life. So I, um, you know, I called my sister who, you know, uh, had been off the straight and narrow for a while. And I said, what, what, uh, what coffee drink should I get? And she said, well, you know, start with a mocha. So I said, all right, I'll start with a mocha. (laughs) So I went to the Starbucks inside the Winona, Minnesota Target. And I walk in the door and, you know, the The blast of stale coffee kind of greets you as you walk through the sliding doors. And I went over to the counter and I was so nervous and I was certain that the barista could see into my soul and knew that I was doing the wrong thing, that I was breaking every rule. But I just stood there and I said... I would like a mocha, please. And I tried to say it like I knew what I was talking about. You know, like I wasn't, you know, I was 28 years old. So of course I knew what I was talking about. And she says the question that I was not expecting, what size? (laughs) And I'm like, uh, medium. And then she really threw me for a loop and asked, hot or iced? And mind you, it's in the middle of summer. It's like 100 degrees outside, you know, and and I was just, I panicked. And I said, uh, hot? <laughs> and I felt like she was looking at me like, you have made the wrong decision. You know, I was just like so nervous about it. But anyway, so she says, okay, and I pay whatever five bucks it is, and I take my steaming hot coffee out into the steaming hot sun and the, you know, parking lot of the Winona Target. <laughs> and I take a sip. And when I tell this story, you know, sometimes people ask me, well, well what did it taste like? And I always say, it tasted like freedom. So from then on, I I made it a point to drink coffee as much as possible. <laughs> and now I prefer my coffee black, you know, and I drink it every morning. But what I always say to people is that you don't understand how good it is. You don't understand how wonderful it is to be able to be free, to have these small tender graces you know for something as as mundane as a cup of coffee in the morning to have it signal freedom and healing and wholeness and so i never take my morning cup of coffee for granted i always offer a small little prayer of gratitude because it it signals as silly as it might sound a really profound turning point In my life, and a a manifestation of, of freedom that I hadn't known to that point.
0: Thank you for listening to the Stuck Podcast. We want to invite you to engage this material even further through the show notes below. There, you'll find a series of questions, prompts, and biblical texts that will invite you to reflect on how God is at work in your life and to think even more deeply on the places where you might, in fact, be stuck. Thanks again for listening.